Ladies and gentlemen, this episode of the Tiger Pit is brought to you by Unplugged Essentials. Not all hemp is created equal. Instead of using either isolated CBD or cannabis oil, which are the most popular cannabis-derived products on the market right now, they have infused their soaps with water-soluble, hemp-derived, phytocannabinoid-rich powder. This way, their products take advantage of the several hundred bioactive components present in hemp. They make no compromise in quality whatsoever and ensure each batch is lab tested and 100% THC free. You can find them on Instagram at Unplugged Essentials, on Facebook at Unplugged Float Essentials, and online at UnpluggedFloatEssentials.com. And when you go there, use the promo code the Tiger Pit for an additional 10% off your order. We are also brought to you by Knock My Legends. Knock My Legends celebrates the heroes, legends, and icons of Muay Thai and kickboxing. Their mission is to create art in the form of apparel that honors each fighter's contribution to the sport and the art that we love. They have a great selection of apparel and other accessories that highlight the greats of the sport from the past up until today. Great gear if you want to pop a little style while you're training or if you're just a fan of Muay Thai and want to rep the culture. You can go to knockmylegends.com. That's N-A-K-M-U-A-Y legends.com as well as Facebook and Instagram and check out what they have. And when you're ready to buy something, enter the promo code the Tiger Pit for an additional 10% off your purchase. Again, that's knockmylegends.com or knockmylegends on Facebook and Instagram. We are also brought to you by Athlon Rub. Athlon Rub is the next generation in performance and recovery for all sports. Made in an FDA and ISO certified lab in the United States, certified and continually tested by informed choice to be free of banned substances, PEDs, and cross-contaminants. You can go to athlonrub.com to look at all the products that they have available, read testimonials from users, and see what everybody is saying. And when you're ready to check out, use the promo code THETIGERPIT for an additional 10% off. We are also brought to you by Diplomatico Rum. Diplomatico is distributed in over 80 countries throughout the world. It holds the Ron de Venezuela DOC and is recognized as one of the finest rums in the world. They have three different ranges for your tastes, traditional, prestige, and the distillery collection. You can go to rondiplomatico.com, that's R-O-N diplomatico.com, to learn more about who they are and find out some of the history behind one of the world's greatest rums. This is for you uh, New York people out here. We are also brought to you by the Stepping Razor Barbershop at 952 Flushing Avenue in Brooklyn. They specialize in American classic traditional haircuts, styles, and shaves. You can check them out on Instagram at Stepping Razor Barbershop, or you can go to thesteppingrazor.com to book your appointment and get yourself looking good and feeling good. That's Stepping Razor Barbershop, 952 Flushing Avenue, Stepping Razor Barbershop on Instagram, and thesteppingrazorbarbershop.com. And lastly, we are brought to you by the Dojo NYC at 1082 Cypress Avenue in Ridgewood. The Dojo NYC is a fully equipped martial arts training center specializing in Cobrinha Jiu-Jitsu, traditional Muay Thai, and MMA. Whether you want to just get a good workout or compete at a high level, it's a great place to learn and a great place to train. You can go to the dojonyc.com and check out their classes, instructors, and programs, and even sign up for a free trial class. That's the dojonyc.com online and the dojonyc on Instagram. Okay. 
Our guest on this episode is a drummer, percussionist, songwriter, producer, engineer, arranger, and composer who has performed and recorded with artists such as Foreigner, Gil Goldstein, Frank Ocean, Esperanza Spaulding, Nora Jones, Telegram, John Patitucci, and Amy Lee of Evanescence, just to name a few. He's currently working as the orchestra conductor for the band Foreigner on select shows while on tour, as well as being the regular tour drummer for RJD2. As an educator, he has served as teaching fellow at Lincoln Center's Meet the Artist, a composer in residence for National Young Arts, a resident artist educator for Quad City Arts and Pro Art Virginia, and is an artistic ambassador to the Philippines. We are excited to have him come through for a conversation about music, skateboarding, art, and a whole lot more. You can find him online at chuckpalmermusic.com, on Instagram at chuckpalmer, that's one word, and chuckpalmermusic on Facebook. So without further ado, would you please Welcome to the Tiger Pit, Mr. Chuck Palmer. Yeah. On the next episode of Adventures in Animals. It's a and a Polish guy. Okay, we'll start the podcast right here. It's 9 o'clock. It's dark enough. I'm putting on my ninja suit. That's the part, right? You gotta get into your head. Now you're struggling with your words. Check the Yelp reviews. I'm sure they have like four. It's amazing. I was trying to get that out, and I had a hard time struggling in my head. They just see something they don't recognize me. Check out immediately. I had a point. I had a point. Coming to the stage. I've heard this many times from different sources. You didn't even know me when I was hanging out there. That sounds like such a burnout thing to do. Tiger Pit. It really is. Not many people can do that. So let me jump in. Your background as a percussionist. Very deep into, into that. Yep. You're, a, you're a learned man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Percussion uh, started with playing soccer and snapping. I used to run and I'd snap my fingers when I was you know, running on the field. And my older brother would be like, hey, man, like, what are you doing there? You're like, when you are when you run, you're like snapping your fingers. And what were you doing that for? I had no, I like didn't even know I was doing running? it. I, I wonder, you know, but I, I, it was just, I don't know if it was like my own motivation or my own soundtrack or, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, you know, the, the sound of the, the ball on the grass and the mm-hmm, kicks mm-hmm. and the headers. And there's all, there's so many sounds even in the, in the beautiful game, you know, mm-hmm. but for some reason I was adding in these snaps and whatnot, but then. Uh, when I really first started playing drums, um, it was via the Beatles, of course. My stepfather uh, turned me on. I was really lucky uh, in my perspective. It, I think I was about nine years old when I heard the White Album and Sgt. Pepper's. And so I completely fell in love with the Beatles. Uh, and then it turned out my dad um, is a drummer. So my stepfather got me into the Beatles, but my biological father uh, was a drummer. And he had this like Gretsch kit from 56, 57 Gretsch, you know, up and he just was like, oh yeah, you know, I got, I got drums and, um, and the skateboarding, what tied it all together was actually, uh, I need to look up this video. It's either wheels of fire or streets of fire, the Santa Cruz videos. And I think it's Jeff Kendall who's doing like a, you know, like a backside or like kind of method air, air on a half pipe. And it's like a slow motion kind of thing. And I think it's Chuck Treese. It's like an intro. So some track, Uh it's It's just like, I know the one. Yeah. It's like the, like the front end of this track and the marriage of the motion. And I was just completely, you know, passionate about skateboarding at that time. That was like my main focus. 
but somehow the rhythm matched with the thing and then with the soccer and the running and the snaps and whatnot, it just all came together. And I, I, think I was in seventh grade because I remember being in seventh grade and going to the music uh, room at my middle school and finding a pair of drumsticks in the, in the middle school room and, you know, forgive me, kind of lifting them, um, b- borrowing, long-term borrowing them, uh, and went home and started playing on the stairs. And then my dad was like, what are you doing? You know, I have a drum kit. And then uh, I was so hooked on the Beatles that I just remember setting up the drum kit and uh, I could kind of play Love Me Do like by the end of the first session, you know, which okay, is a nice. super basic beat. You know what I mean? But still, it was but just sort of like... Starting out yeah. on kit. But yeah, starting out like, on kit. I, I could got... move my legs. I yep. could do the thing, you know, and it was sort of like with the skating and with the soccer and just like the full body the vibe. Yeah. And then the drums just, it married the the body motion, even though you're not really going anywhere in the physical plane, but you're definitely moving. And then with that rhythmic mm-hmm. sort of momentum yep. and that story of that motion within the rhythm just... And it's just like, you know, in terms of percussion, you know, like the, the rhythm side of things is just where everything has always sort of started and existed for me. Okay. Know? Awesome. So like, I can understand that. I mean, I, I remember being little and just walking down the sidewalk and I'd start clicking my teeth, moving poly in rhythm yeah. or something. Yeah. Like, which is making music with anything, tapping, tapping on table, just it's, any little thing you could make some kind of rhythm. Mm-hmm. I was always doing that with pens or whatever just <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean just yeah. any way you could make a sound it's really weird and then you know, just with instruments too you know you think about like you know whether it's like a good you know with guitar like banjo from you know that original from africa it's like yep. a drum with the you know and it's like you're playing bass or whatever it's like no you're playing drums you know what i mean if you're yes, singing if your piano is a yes. percussion instrument it's sort of like everything you everything has that kind of foundation to it too yep. so yeah. i think i feel really blessed like kind of starting from there and and kind of my perspective from from anything even if it's like hey man what's an uh, arrangement idea it's like just just starting kind of having that sort of even if if it's not intentional, it's just all, it's always kind of starts with, well, like what's the pocket or what's yeah, the yeah, yeah. rhythmic right. phrase that's going to like trick this out in a cool way or whatever. And kind of starting from there and then finding melody or harmony or other musical devices. Yeah. But for me, it's always, it's always the rhythm is the, is the fire. Yeah, I, yeah. the spark. I totally, tempo, right? I, yeah, right? yeah, I totally relate to that. Yeah. yeah. I totally relate to that. Even the way I play uh, rhythm guitar as a wow. reggae guitars it's Dude, totally percussive totally you know? percussive like yeah. you asked me to play something else but no yeah and, and yo if the skank's not right like as a drummer billy i'm sure you can relate like if you've ever played mm-hmm. you know some one drop or whatever the vibe is and if the skank's not in in the, in the right spot then you, yeah, you, you can't fit your part in there you're playing you know? and you're mm-hmm. like oh we're oh, playing yeah. like a like a, a wobbly record that's how we're playing yeah. so now it's like you know it's all elliptical yeah well i feel like the mistake that a lot of people make that like non-reggae players when they try to play reggae the drummer is playing drums like a normal drummer would they're not playing not, not playing like a reggae the yeah. yeah they're not yeah. playing like a, mel- a melody that's what essentially that's what the drummer is doing in reggae it's kind of playing a melody and the rhythm guitar playing is playing like a drummer because the snare i'm yeah. doing the snare yeah. where the snare right. would be usually mm-hmm. yeah man i was listening to some root stuff and then like like music that was like popular in jamaica like top 40 jamaica uh, i remembered Clive was telling me that Bette Midler did a version of uh, Big Youth's No Gesturing. So I was just like, oh, yeah, let me look that up. So I was listening to it. Wait, Bette Midler Bette covered Midler. Big Youth? Yes. Is that real? I'm not kidding. I'll play it for you after. I'll, on the YouTube page, I'll include her wow. video of this, and I'll include all of these songs. Crazy. Um, originally, it was a Carl Malcolm song, and then Carl Malcolm had his version, then Bette Midler, for some reason, 
wanted to do this song. So around that, Joe Cocker had gone down to Randy's and recorded this record, Stingray. And he does a cover version of Bob Dylan's The Man in Me. But the Whalers are backing him up. Oh, oh crazy. And it's really, it's really, really cool. And, you know, he was telling me these crazy stories about being in the studio with Joe Cocker in the 70s. <laughs> wow. You know, you'd be like, you think you can drink. <laughs> you know? Um, but then it just led me on this, you know, like all these crazy versions of, of, of people doing it. So there was all these people that were doing these, these reggae songs. Bette Midler was one of them. At least Joe Cocker went down to Jamaica to do his. Right. And the rhythm behind that shit. Is, <laughs> it's like bananas, you're just right? Like, I don't think anyone ever even bothered to listen to a reggae record before they recorded this song. It's like totally upside down. Yeah, it's just like, okay, the bass player's playing the one drop. The guitar player is in outer space, like has no idea, and he's just trying to do a chuck. And you can tell he's going up. Yeah, oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. You know, it's like the high end, but it's yeah. like super chunky, you yeah. know, and you're like, okay, that's lacking a little subtlety. And then the drummer's just like Don Henley on holiday or some shit, you know? <laughs> you're like, you're listening from the back and you're like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, man. Reggae you music, know? dude, it's a simple music, but very complicated. It's well, like, simplicity is, is... It's complicated. It's complicated. When done, you know, when done right. Playing slow, like, too. Yeah, Like, right. super disciplined. Mm -hmm. Can't be, like, pushing, pulling, like, attention where you're like, oh, my God, and everybody's fighting for position. Right. Somebody tries to sing over that, and then you got a problem. <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's so fascinating how all the like different genres and different cultures of music you know they all have like that similar sort of you know pocket or clave or like whatever you know feel mm -hmm. and groove you know what i mean and it's like well, music is just endless too you know mm -hmm. it really like, is in terms of we talk about rhythm you know and it's like like a from in, you know indian tabla player it's like that's just talk about a rabbit hole of your whole life. You know what yeah. I mean? To be like, oh yeah, I play a little tabla. It's like, no, you don't. Like yeah. you, you really, if you really want, can say that, you know, you, you gotta put in the time, you know, on, on this stuff. And I think with, you know, any style of music, like with reggae music, you gotta really put those, that time in and that passion in and listen to it. It's not sort of like, oh, well explain it to me. Oh, I get it now. Yeah, if no. You play the <laughs> skank on the upbeat. I got it. It's like, right. there's so much more going on than just, than just yeah. that with it. So. Yeah, yeah. If you explain reggae to someone, you're almost ensuring that they're going to play it wrong. <laughs> right. Like, you're not going to get it. I was listening to some of your uh, stuff on Spotify. Oh, <clears throat> like, uh, what was it? Lake Effects? Oh, there's actually, an, I think it's called Lake Effect. Yeah, Lake that's Lake actually Effect. not my record. Oh, it's not? Yeah, that's actually another Chuck Palmer. Yeah, oh, not that. that's guy. weird. Yeah. I think his, his avatar was, like, on a skateboard, too. Yeah. It totally looks like That's you. me on the avatar. Spotify somehow has conflated oh, the, that's the so two of strange. us. So the avatar is you. Yeah. But that's not your record, but he has your name. One of the records is my record, which is what the avatar is from. And that record's called Waiting on the Rain. Which actually right, has which a I listen to that one too. Of yes. reggae tracks on it too. Yes, yeah, I listen to that one too. Oh, that's really strange. So it just comes up with your stuff, but yeah, it has... it's been conflated, and I need to. That's weird. I thought I figured out who the because I guy didn't... was. I was going to question. I don't know who it is now. Well, yeah, that, that's thought, yeah. We just solved the mystery because I was going to say how different that was. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, yo, this stuff is like super. Remember I said yeah. to you today? I was like, yo, it's just crazy, man. It's super spatial. I'm like, whoa, man. It sounds like he's tripping out. Wow. Okay. So it's not yeah, yet. Yeah. So, right. but it didn't. It didn't click mystery, with me. Mystery, mystery solved. Because <laughs> you did the like the anonymous elder stuff. It was an installation 
piece, right? Yeah, yeah. The first anonymous outer, the only record I have released is called Liminal Currents. And my older brother, Matthew Gray Palmer, uh, lives out on the San Juan Islands, which is north of Seattle. Mm. And there's a really large orca whale population there that's, um, you know, really suffering a lot at the hands of, of man and, you know, the pollution aspect of everything. And so he did a art installation at the San Juan Museum of Art. Mm-hmm. Hello. It's all good. It's Matt. <laughs> he comes in Hello, on every Matt. episode. He's, he's, our, he's the guest that passes through on every That's great. See ya. I was reading about that one, too. So nice. I want to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah. My, my older brother is a sculptor, among many other things, an incredible visual and fine artist. And he had heard some early sound designs that I did. So my record Waiting on the Rain has a handful of like these shorter sound designs. And I started to break out and do longer ones. And they were just sort of things that I had, you know, for myself, but, you know, he and I are super tight. And so I would just be playing him things I'm working on. Mm -hmm. And I started playing him these like longer sound designs, which to me, I'm kind of like, these are kind of trippy. They're, you know, a little bit outside the box, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, And he said, oh man, this is my, the, the best work that I've ever heard you do. He said, this is my favorite stuff out of, out of everything. And he's like, sort of like my biggest fan. He's like my older brother and just Mm -hmm. like supports me so much. And we're just like super, super tight. He's an amazing musician as well, but, um, as a visual artist, he's absolutely out of control. And so he had this, uh, I, uh, proposal and this idea, um, for an installation, uh, sculpture installation at the San Juan Museum of Art, uh, on San Juan Islands, north of Seattle, not Puerto Rico. Well, I was um, going to say, where yeah, are the San Juan a, Islands? It, yeah, yeah, but the San Juan Islands are north of Seattle, sort of in between Seattle and Vancouver, okay. uh, British Columbia, and they're, um, really one of the most beautiful places I've ever been on the earth. And I highly recommend um, going out there nice. and checking cool. it out and spending some time out there. Um, but they have really large orca whale populations throughout there um, that have been really suffering, you know, from pollution. And mm. um, and so he wanted to do a <clears throat> art piece that, that sort of um, to inspire empathy in humans regarding mm. the situation. And so it's called Liminal Currents, Explorations of an Empathic Umwelt. Mm-hmm. And Umwelt is a German word for an organism's ability to perceive the world and perceive life, basically. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so um, Explorations of an Empathic Umwelt, it's like to inspire humans to have uh, more empathy for yep. wildlife sort of in general and this specific piece liminal currents for the orca whale population out on the san juan islands and so he had heard me do you know when i say long sound designs so it's like four four to seven minutes or something not super long you know and he was like hey man i i want you to do a 45 or hour long sound design that will just loop like this kind of thing that you're doing here and we'll just like loop it and then that so i'm like okay great so it's all found sounds all around okay. San Juan Island. And then Lime Kilm is a uh, national state park on San Juan Island that has a hydrophone that they record all the different pods, the J-pod and the M-pod and all the different orca whale pods that come through. And they and he had a relationship with them being on the island. And so they gave us permission for me to sample these sounds of, of these, uh, orca, of the actual orca whales. Mm-hmm. And so I sort of incorporated, wow. so it was all found sounds and, and with the rhythm piece of it, you know, with, with the anonymous elder thing, it's, it's a lot about 
kind of what we started the conversation as, where like rhythm is kind of everywhere, and you mm-hmm. can really um, listen to the world in an interesting way. And as I um, began doing these sound designs, and I I never. I there I think I know there's an entire world of like ambient music and like sound design music from back into like in the 50s and 60s and mm-hmm. and this whole like history of it and for me literally it was from the technology and somehow I started to record just the sounds of the world and kind of collage them together rhythm for me what was rhythmic it's sort of like very like long form rhythmic stuff Mm -hmm. and there's some other stuff that's actually the inspiration for anonymous elder in a lot of ways came from working with some producers in kingston actually a a producer named handel tucker um who who worked with um, everyone maxi priest and black uhuru and just everybody's absolutely uh incredible a producer, a musician, and and I'd like to say kind of a, a friend of mine. Like we went down there and started working together, and he was just like so kind and supportive of me, and really an incredible person and friend to work with and to know. Um, and he had this concept that I had hadn't I always believed in and understood for myself, but hadn't really articulated. And it was um, I may not be doing it a hundred percent justice, um, but the way that I understood it was that if you when you record something, if you make an edit, even if you're doing a comp or fixing something, like if you're playing or if you're singing, you know, he would, it, it wouldn't just be for drums, but any instrument and every instrument, if, if he, if his, as he's producing a record, if the musician or the band, whatever's happening, uh, that they're recording, if they didn't get the part right, then you got to do it again. But you got to, you know, they might sing like a perfect take, but one word is like out of tune. From my experience with him, he's like, we're not going to keep all the good stuff and fix the thing. He's like, well, you got, sorry, you got to, you got to go do it again, you know? And it's yeah. sort of like, you know, the Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers refugee. Yeah. I don't know how, but they did like a hundred takes or something to get that take. And if you listen to it, it's so beautiful and it's so organic and it's so perfect. But if you sit there with a metronome to it, it's not, you know, it's not perfect. You could fix anything. And I think in this day and age and kind of coming up in this, like it's, it started from, from playing um, with older musicians, um, a, a particular bass player, uh, this guy Al Morgan, that I was in a band with for a long time, uh, this bass player who was just adamant about the pocket and about feel. And I always can, you know, I'm pretty scrappy, kind of punk rock and rock kind of vibe. Um, but with the skateboarding, with all the movement, you know, I, I kind of have at least a little bit of a propensity, I like to think, of just kind of playing like a danceable groove, you know, and like that mm-hmm. was always really important to me. But he really drilled it into me of just like, nope, it's not right. Nope, that's not the feel. Nope, you got to get it, you know, you got to get it right and you got to, you know, really be able to play it. And, and so through that discipline, early on, I became really adamant against quantize things. I practice to a click and stuff, but I wouldn't want to like record to a metronome and things like that because the human heartbeat and sort of that human expression of rhythm, I think as a Mm -hmm. soccer player who snapped my fingers or whatever it was, or just some, you know, I was just so passionate about rhythm and, and, and love the experience so much that with all the drum machines and things like that to me, I, you know, and I was, I was younger and I was very sort of rebellious to the whole thing. And I'm like, you know, that's, you know, bad, you know, the whole, 
like drum machines have no soul, which is total BS. You know what I mean? But like when I was younger, I was like, that's, that's right. And I was, I was like really mm -hmm. adamant about that. And it sort of started to come together much later in life when I was down in Jamaica and working with Handel Tucker and seeing him work and sort of being like, whoa, that's resonating with me. That's why I had a problem with fixing these things or quantizing these things or tightening the, the thing up. It's like a sort of a spiritual element to it. And then with Anonymous Elder, it's initially it was just sort of the idea of like the spirit world and sort of the ancestors and the energy that's around us mm -hmm. all the time. If you do a vocal track or if you play the drums to a thing, if if you're when you're playing it, there's those spirits are yep. are with us. Every and time you hit a drum, every, it's an invocation. It's an invocation. <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly. And so if you're doing yeah. that and then you start chopping it up, you, you're also chopping up, you know, that yeah. spiritual world. Yeah, there's, no exactly. there's no cohesiveness. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so the whole anonymous elder thing is, is is sort of born out of that, actually, too. And and doing these sound design pieces and hearing the long form rhythm in the world and nature or even the cities and things like that. And not like chopping it up and making loops and making a sample out of the thing, but like letting it sit. And then as I started to do that, it completely changed the way that I listened to the world, you know, after like putting 40 hours in on like liminal currents or whatever one week and I just went outside and like the sounds of the world I just it was a com <laughs> I had a completely different experience and yeah. more like there's more flow there's yeah flow. And, like a Buddhist vibe too and mm -hmm. like an in enlightened kind of a thing of mm -hmm. just like being present and mm -hmm. so the anonymous elder thing too for me is really like inspiring people to like be more present in their lives and to kind of excite them into like listening kind of in a new way which now I'm starting to like sort of juxtapose like the live thing, sort of a loosely man versus machine kind of a thing where it's like, okay. you know, quantized stuff versus mm -hmm. live stuff and where those things kind of cross over and, and how it's different. And, and for me, you know, and I love, you know, hip hop and like loop based music and electronic music uh, of all types, but I'm, because my rhythmic acuity, if I can say so is, is honed to a certain level or maybe some natural gifts there like on a rhythmic level to me if i'm on a dance floor i know my body knows like you're talking about where yeah. the same goes. i know right away that this is to a metronome this yep. is a loop this right. is a two-bar loop yeah, a four-bar yeah. loop a two-beat loop whatever it is and i and i sort of dance accordingly mm -hmm. and it's not as I don't know organic. if I'm listening to the Wailers yeah. and I'm dancing. It's like everyone, you know, the, the guitar yeah. says something, the bubble yeah. says something, You're the percussion says the something, and yeah. I get to yeah. everyone's yeah. dancing. You know, whereas whereas the other thing, so I'm still sort of like negotiating like my my relationship to that, and and really having a lot of fun like learning and you know breaking those uh, sort of you know I grew up as a skater, you know, so I just had this like anti-hero oh, anti like those bells fuck all man. yeah, yeah just, you know i mean i just like whatever is cool i'm like well fuck that yeah you know yeah I mean? so, against everything against everything for no reason at all yeah. you know what I, I mean so yeah. now i'm like oh wait, against you know? the world yeah 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 and so i gotta say I, it's cool hearing you equate um the skateboarding thing to like rhythm and music and all that stuff and connection between the two i love hearing that because growing up as a skater as well i mentioned this on the podcast a few times about how we, we train martial arts together I've been in martial arts for a long time. I've always looked at skateboarding as a martial art. Love it. It's, there is something about it. The discipline that it takes to move mm -hmm. your body like that, the coordination, the balance, um, 
the how there's uh, individual styles for people. You could be a sh- total shredder. You could be someone who's super technical. Or you can be mm-hmm. someone who just has like super cool flatland shit and just has mega steez. Maybe you got four tricks, but man, they're cool as fuck. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You could be it's a like, street skater. You could be a pool skater. Yeah. You could be a ramp skater. Yeah. But there's like a personal relationship. Maybe like martial arts too. It's like yes, you and with yourself. your chi. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like a, just what it takes to pull something off. Yeah. Execution. You know? Yeah. That's just to pull it off, man. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you mentioned gift. Sometimes it's a gift. Sometimes you just do it and you're like, fuck, I don't even know how I did that. And you try to do it again. You can't do it again right now because you already told yourself that you don't know how you did it. So now you got to work that back again. And you got to, you know what I mean? So I love hearing people talk about who love skateboarding as equally as I do in hearing them. Oh, dude, when I hear skateboards down the street, it's like... Yeah, you get excited, right? I like get 10 years old. joy, and it's like the most beautiful sound in yeah, the world, yeah. you know? And like so, 10 years old all over again. Oh, who's yeah, that? Where, yeah, where are they right. going? Yeah, you know, you know that sound, on like, too. On, like, yeah. asphalt or concrete. You know that yeah. sound. You'll never forget oh, that ever. sound. Yeah, you could be yeah. 99 years oh, old totally. in yeah. a bed in a nursing home, yep. and somebody could play you that sound, and you'd be like, I know exactly what that is. light right up. You know, line in the cement on the sidewalk. Yeah. Everything, oh, you know, so the yeah. drainage lines. Yeah, so yeah. 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 I used to love even like in uh, when this was probably more so with like '90s skateboard videos when you would start seeing like a lot of hip hop in the in the videos and mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, hearing the the clack of the board, like the pop of the board to a grind or to a board slide or whatever, um, with the sound with the song. Yeah, man. There's something about it that I that it just kind of sounded cool together. Like it sounds like it's supposed to be together almost. That's what like what you I don't know because maybe because we skated, I, I so we used to hearing those thousand sounds. Percent. But we it's it's like uh, the music goes along with the tempo of which you're moving at while you're skating. Yes, like, yes, yes. Like yes. all this like. I was uh, the other night and I was looking up some stuff, you know, and I came across one of your brother's videos oh. that you did the music for. Oh, sick! Which then, you know, I was you know like smoked out of my mind. I ended up at uh, Search for Animal Chin. A classic. The music in the first 10, 15 minutes of that movie is insane. Bongos and like at jazz. Wa- and Wallows, yeah, yeah. And crazy at shit. Wallows, like, right? Yeah. The Wallows, a Hawaii spot. Yeah, yeah. totally. Like, 80 skateboard videos was so was crazy. Uh, Streets of Fire where they had, you know, skate and destroy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Skate <laughs> and create. Yeah. Johnny Rad. Yeah, right? John, yeah Johnny Rad. You guys totally talking my language, man. Like, was it, that wasn't on Streets of Fire. That was on Bones Brigade. That was, that was like Bones Future Brigade. Primitive. Yeah. Future Primitive, yeah, yeah, yes. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. With the Lance Mountain Skeleton doing the yes, comply. Yeah, that's it. Like, yeah, the, the yeah future primitive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, yeah. Tommy Guerrero was my was my Oh, he was so woo. good, man. Yeah. It's like inspiration, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My little brother was out on tour. At, Who know, does he skate for? Yeah, his name is Max Palmer. He skates for Nike. He rides for 917. This is his board company. Uh, he rides for Carhartt. It's like a it's called Work in Progress. Yep. yep. And it's a like I think it's more based in Europe. Mm-hmm. It's like a okay. they have like a real they have like a heavy like fashion line. Yeah, they do like Car- a lot of like higher end like workwear and stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's nice stuff. But yeah, he's he's a huge inspiration to me, and he um he'd been coming to some of my, my anonymous elder live shows where I'm like I actually sample his skateboarding, and I have a I have a track called Everyone Was Dancing, which is a bunch of samples uh, of him. And, uh, is that the one you did on because he did the year of the rat video? Yeah, the re- year of the rat video. So he came to me for the year for his year of the rat video, and he was like, "Hey man, I, you know, let's let's I want you to do the, the music for this." And so we just like I just gave him like all these beats, like all these some rough sketches, some more finished than others, kind of thing. And we just sat there and kind of put it together and and really put that 
eye and ear to it where we're using the skate sounds like you're saying and accentuating them at certain times, sampling them mm, and doing things cool. with them and stuff like that. And sometimes it's like you may not catch it necessarily, but but it's in there. Mm-hmm, it's in there. Know, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so. I got to check out some of... Fourth, fifth, yeah. sixth watch. Yeah, yeah, with you're, the headphones on it. kind of thing. Yeah. I got to check out some of his uh, skate videos. Yeah, he's out of control. Yeah, he's, he's so creative. I was watching so sick. that one. And there was three things that hit me. The first one was like, how the fuck you and I have never done a collaboration is beyond, beyond me. me. And um, number two, his wipeouts are fucking amazing. Totally. <laughs> like his yeah. They're not like brutal they're not scorpions. They're not like brutal, but it's they always kind of tweak them. So like he'll do something and then like he'll pull it off and then he'll just be rolling down the street. Like he'll be a little further down and it'll be like, poof. It's like on some like wily coyote type shit, mm. you know. Like it doesn't hit you right away, or they'll put it in slow motion. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. Some of these videos now, man, I'm just like, what is happening? What, like, how did everybody get so good? It's and what's switch dance? And there is no such thing as switch switch no, anymore. It's like yeah. people are just. It's just like left it. hand open hi hat left hand. It's like people are just ambidextrous mm-hmm. on the. It's just mm-hmm. it is yeah. It's like, like you're, you're it's cool. Like, yeah, it's like a circle. It's like a full circle. Yeah, exactly. What I love about my brother. I hope you check out my my bro skating because yeah. he's he's very much like what you had said earlier about. He really has his own style. Mm-hmm. And he really the tricks that he does are incredibly creative, and he and he has his own style. And it's like that's I just coming from where I come from in the skate world, like that's, what's important to me. It's almost like whether it's bones brigade or, or whoever, you know, I was having you know, like Matt Hensley and a street and all that stuff. But like all the, all the skaters, you knew, you knew them by their style mm-hmm. and like, and sometimes there, there was a time, it seems like it's, it's much better now, but there was a time in skateboarding was sort of transitioning where I felt like kind of like everyone almost, they were all super good and doing like insane stuff, but it was almost like watching one of those video games, like, Playing one of those video games exactly. where like, everything was perfect and they'd land perfect. They do these huge, crazy trick stare, after hand trick, after trick, yeah, trick. just like, like but it was just like they were just like executing it like athlete, like executing, and that's beautiful. And I, you know, mm-hmm, God mm-hmm. bless, love it so much. But the style when you check out my bro, it's like like you said, he'll just do he's some got, crazy stuff and kind of fall, own. kind of thing. He's just he's like really got a, got a character of his own, and which I, you know, coming from the school where I kind of come from, I'm like, yeah, that's. I still think that's like important and mm-hmm. like valuable. Mm-hmm. You Me know? too. Like, cool. I do feel like it went through a. There was a time where it did become like more like athletes were skating. Yeah. But I feel like yeah. it got to a point where everything it, it went where everything had to be big. Mm-hmm. It was always big. It was always big. It was always big. So it was kind of like you're an athlete, man. You know, if you're yeah. skating like that right. all the time, you're an athlete. I just yeah. watched this documentary on YouTube about um, on Natus. It was pretty sick. Oh, I want to see. Yeah. That. Nice. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I was I had never seen it before. Dude, the guns, not I mean, there's so many. Yeah, but it's so funny. He's like talking about like when everybody was like banning him, like because of his name. Oh yeah, wow. And he's like, it has nothing to do with that. Yeah. <laughs> but they actually were banning his um, yeah. merchandise around mm-hmm. different parts of the country. And stuff. And he, he was like, like, my parents are Lithuanian or something. No, like that. they're or not Lithuanian. No, they're like but... Norwegian or something. Or like, yeah, yeah but his name is like the yeah, the male version of like Natalie. <laughs> it's nothing to do with Satan. Right. <laughs> He, he, you know, he didn't even have dark imagery on his. Like, he had like an airplane, he had like a panther, and, Santa Monica, and then yeah. The, the, oh yeah, the panther, the triangle with the panther with all the flowers and shit. Yeah. Like, coming out. Yeah. <laughs> they were saying that he was like the first one to um, incorporate like that, like surf style on the street. Mm. 
like to that extent. You know, everybody mm-hmm. did with like Dogtown and all that stuff. It was like mm-hmm. a certain like slides and all that power slides and all mm-hmm. that stuff. But he like actually took it to another level. Like mm-hmm. he was, I guess he was the first person to do a wall ride. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, Dude, that I remember before Nottis, you would never see pictures of people like ollieing a fire hydrant. We did that spin thing on the yeah. fire hydrant. Yeah, they said nobody could recreate it. Wow. Still, nobody could. Nobody can do it. That's yeah. on that creative tip too. He yeah, did, like, who would have thought of that? Him and like Gons and those guys. Like that's like that. They're artists, mm-hmm. you know, exactly. Like, r- true artists of the mm-hmm. craft. Innovators for sure. Yeah, man. That's where it's interesting. Like that juxtaposed with like music vibes. You know what I mean? Like, like if you can sing it, you can play it. That's sort of a a common mm-hmm. a dodge, and it seems to make a lot of sense too. You know, like if you can kind of sing the drum fill or whatever then mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. then you really know it and you can kind of scratch it out in, in your mm-hmm, in your physical body but like i can't think of a time where i ever like got hurt trying to like learn like a like a groove or a or to like <laughs> right. get a fill in it's in my head like outside of my head it's like kind of interesting that way like with you know maybe emotionally i've been i hurt myself <laughs> oh, emotionally <definitely>. big time <laughs> that's the that's the times where you're like you're not proud that you've been playing that instrument as long as you have Every other moment, you're like, yeah, man, I'm playing drums since I was five years old. And then <laughs> when you can't pull it off, you can't get the simple five. I can't get it. <laughs> you mentioned, um, I think you were going to say something about Tommy Guerrero. You mentioned him. Oh, yeah, I think I was just getting excited when you guys mentioned oh. the Bones Brigade. And, <laughs> I like his music, and, too. Yeah, exactly. I enjoy his music. He, he's cool, man. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah, it's super groovy. Yeah, I'd really love to see him live one day. I know he he, I, he played at Union Pool a few years ago, <sighs> and I walk. I was walking in when he was walking out, holding, carrying his amp out, and I was like, oh, I missed this. I, was, I didn't even know he was doing this." Yeah, yeah, it was only like six or seven years ago. The sword with the fire. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a, great graphic. The yeah. graphics, you know, the graphics, even with that stuff, like, kind of had something to do with what deck. You got, I think. A hundred percent. Now kinda, it's, it's like so a, not it's like part an album of the game. cover. It's almost like the album cover versus yeah. like the it was your style. MP3. Yeah, it had a part to do with your character yeah. where you I was were an like, Alva dude. Every no, every board I rode when I was younger was an Alva. That's sick, dude. Yeah. I was into Dogtown and then I got into Pow, I think literally cause of because of Tommy Guerrero. Like it was just I couldn't and I love Lance Mountain, all those dudes, you know, but yeah, but it was a style. It was that street mm-hmm. style. I grew mm-hmm. up in Ohio, and so there were a handful of mini ramps and, and things like that, and, and there's a really amazing skate culture there, even back in the day when I was doing it. In Ohio? In Ohio, yep. yeah. I was in a Columbus, Dayton, had some mm-hmm. really... Ron Allen was from Dayton. Oh, okay. And uh, Tim Simmons, and there, there's... I'm sure I'm missing a lot of people. There's some serious heavyweights out of there as well. And uh, but Our yeah, last guest is from Ohio. That's right. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan Humphrey. Humphrey's artist guy. Nice. So yeah, yeah Ohio man. skating in Ohio and yeah, and just I guess like the street element of it in terms of like being able to it might be even piggybacking on the martial arts vibe and even just on the drum vibe, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. I I actually learned quite a bit of drums on the stair, playing on stairs, because mm-hmm. and and then also pillows. Like I the first you know handful of like Rush songs that I learned were all on. I just set up chairs and pillows like before I <laughs> yeah, before yeah, I had yeah. a real kit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially <laughs> with all the toms, you could just set up all the chairs and stack these pillows on it, sit there and try and play Y Y Z. But your dad, your dad was a drummer, you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he did he did he teach you? Not so much. He he was way out of the game by yeah. the time by yeah, the time I got into player. it. He didn't teach me shit. <laughs> well, it, it was fun. I actually was able to. So my dad for his seventieth birthday, he has. Uh, four to- 
total children. I'm one of four. And he went to his four kids and he said, for my 70th birthday, I'd like for you to sort of facilitate an experience for us to have together that will sort of teach me more about you and like what your passions are and That's what cool. you love. That's really and cool. Yeah, it was super sick. And so of course I was like, we're going to the studio. Dude. Yeah, you know nice. I mean? <laughs> so we went to actually uh, Studio G in, in Greenpoint okay. and hung out with Tony and Richard and all and in the beautiful space and did a couple days there and, and wrote an original track that he and I both ended up singing on and like wrote the lyrics with, but also we just did sessions and sessions and sessions. We brought, I brought in all my friends, you know, instrumentalists and all this stuff. And we just like cut a bunch of stuff and he was actually on the drums and wow. I brought my Gretsch because I got Gretsch to follow in his footsteps. I have this Gretsch kit I you know, brought in and he's like, and he and I are like recording like all these percussion duets. We did one where it's just like body percussion and stuff like that. Some of it came out like really cool. So it was like a really nice, like kind of full circle moment too, to like, cause he's, you know, at first he's like, ah, you know, I used to play the drums and like, yeah, you know, muscle memory, you get, you know, he wants to do something, he can hear it, but he can't get it out kind mm -hmm. of a thing. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it was a really fun process of like pre-production style too. Like before the session, he's like, you know, what am I going to do kind of thing? And, and just being like, nah, man, you're, it's going to be great. We'll vibe out. Yeah, and yeah. then like having that experience with him where he was like, kind of like letting loose and like having a lot of fun and like really capturing some like really beautiful, like awesome, drum man. moments, you know, like that's a great exercise that he thought of. That was, yeah, that's, that's pretty really amazing. Cool. Yeah, I wanted to share it too because I, you know, he's always like, "Yeah, tell everyone," because it was just. I think he really, we all loved the experience, and, yeah. and so did he. And so it's sort of like, yeah, if anyone out there has an idea like that or that sounds fun, it's like, yeah, it was a really sweet. bonding, that's, that's beautiful nice. bonding thing. You know, is there anywhere to hear it, or is that that's just you like know for you guys? It's so far, it's for us. But I'm the. I, I we did a track. It's called Father and Son. Um, that I just finished has just been mastered and so okay. I, i'm i'm wondering if we're if i might talk to my father about it and see what he he thinks but i'm kind of thinking like i might just stick it on one of my records like my next record like fit it in there and, yeah man you know it's got <laughs> lakeisha benjamin on saxophone and <clears throat> domenica fassati who you probably know okay, on yeah, flute yeah, yeah. and dave agar on cello it's got all these like all-star like new york heavyweights you know and so my dad's in there in the studio nice. and just like you know totally behind the curtain and we you know brendan muldowney engineered and okay. mix, mixed it and so he's up there and we're explaining compression and you know putting the <laughs> reverb on and he's like oh yeah i hear it you know what I mean? <laughs> delay and just all the different things you know and it's just like a really uh really fun that's and then awesome. getting to yeah. see you and your element. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, well, we cut the drums to the track, and in in my form, it's uncut. There's no edits. You know what I mean? And so I yeah. went in there okay. and like explaining that whole thing to him too. It is to a click because there was so much. It was we did drums blind to a click alone. That was the first thing I laid down. You know, so it was mm -hmm. just sort of like for punching and just production. Sometimes you know I, I do work to a click track, and I want people get the wrong idea there but he was literally like sitting like right behind me and we just like <laughs> laced laced the drum track and and i think he he didn't really you know he was like oh you you really can do this like you're this is this is like you're a professional kind of thing he was, right? he was impressed he was, he was impressed. like dang i didn't realize that you could yep. just that's lay, a proud moment for him though I hope so. I yeah, would imagine. I so, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm a dad. I'd be pretty psyched. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I think he's incredibly proud of, of all his kids. That's and, amazing. Yeah, That's good. That's really cool. So you mentioned, uh, you mentioned Dave. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, Jesus Christ. That's a whole other rabbit like, hole. Yeah. I met him the first time cause we did, uh, Raja's album, the human oh, being record. Yeah. And Aisha Dave came in Yeah, and I've always really loved recording strings it was like 16 different tracks that he layered over each other and made like a orchestra with this crazy arrangement but just out of one cello 
And as I'm sitting there recording this, I'm just like, I feel probably like Eddie Kramer the first time he heard Hendrix. All the recording I've ever done, every studio session, that one, I have never witnessed anything like that. Anything. I was just like, I'm just going to shut up. He said, <clears throat> after I do one, just turn it all the way up and then just put on another one. Yep. And I was like, okay, I am not getting in the way of this shit at all. When it was at the end, my mind was blown. Yep. I remember that day. I was there actually on that <laughs> session. Yeah, just fly on the wall for that one. Yeah. But there was the, the Hollow Jake video of um, you guys do a version of Amazing Grace into Sunshine. Yeah. And his Soul version. Shine. Soul, Soul Shine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His version of Amazing Grace is on par with Hendrix's version of the National Anthem. Yeah. Who are we talking about here? Uh, is a, uh, this guy is Dave Egger, who's a cello oh, okay. player yeah. that mm -hmm. Chuck works with. Josh, you were, yeah, you yeah. brought like Josh and Raja. Yeah, and Dave, yep, I brought, I brought, yeah, I got to, I was lucky enough to meet Josh and Raja in Williamsburg. Everyone <laughs> and anyone who meets Dave and, you know, is like, please, can we do something together? Right. You know what I mean? So I think Raja was like, yeah, dude, we were doing some uh, live shows with Raja too. He's absolutely one of my favorite musicians yeah, of all time. Really Is he on one of these yet? Well, he, he was in town this week. Or yeah, I don't know if he still is or him, not. But. I got him drunk on Monday night because I was like, couldn't make the podcast. Huh? Yeah, we were upset. We always upset. <laughs> No, but yeah, man, I was really stoked. I remember that session, that track Aisha on, on oh, Raja's record, yeah. which is just fire, man. It's so sick. It's, yeah. I wish I was the engineer I am now at that mm -hmm. point when mm -hmm. that was done. But that's just any kind of learning. You're just like, I wish I knew that. Yeah. Years well, ago. thank God. Thank God you're not saying like, oh, I, I got to a certain place, a plateau, and I just stopped. And now I'm happy. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> yeah, the yeah. fact that you feel that way means that wherever you are now, in 10 years or five years or whatever, you're going to be like, oh, man, I wish I, then I was yeah. where I am now. You know what I mean? It's right, like, that's right. the, and one of the most beautiful things about art and certainly music. And like yeah, we talked yeah. about like, oh, get into tabla, Indian tabla drumming. It's like, okay, see you in a hundred years, yeah. you know what I mean, or whatever. And it's just like, it's just, it can just be so endless, you know, in the process. So it is yeah. true. You don't it take is. on Indian tabla drumming at 43. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I started Muay Thai at 40. <laughs> Do, do, you, do you feel any uh, kinship, like music, do you like in terms of your like musical process with the with the martial arts? Um, the I mean, it, it goes back to what you were saying, just about like rhythm and tempo and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So those guitarists beat the shit out of them all the time. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I think it's just something that you know, like the things mm -hmm. you decide to invest your time in, yeah. you're going to be good at them. Yeah, like of course. Music and yeah. anything. Yeah, you you like become an expert like learner almost like you know mm. what it you know what it takes for yourself like to learn even just instinctively and then like you pick up something new and it's yeah. like oh yeah you know the I, I learned this There's whole the other process all over so now again. I apply this yeah. to like blues mm -hmm. guitar or whatever you're like mm -hmm. jam, you know so, to pick new up jam new jam things is. yeah yeah, mm -hmm. yeah not get frustrated in the process you know it's gonna take such and such time to even get yeah, yeah. semi decent <laughs> right yeah. <laughs> So I like golf. I suck at golf. I'm not that great of a golfer. I'm like, okay. The mechanics of playing golf is the same focus and discipline as it is the mechanics of playing music. Wow. If you're good at music, you, 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 there's always going to be something else that you are going to throw that yeah. focus and energy. Yeah, it's, that's why it's so important Like for music in the school, like the education side of things and stuff like that. It's like the, there's so much, so many tests and whatnot about how musicians like are, are good at math or big, you know, sort of 
excel at certain things and maybe that's a piece of it you know just in terms of like if you have to play suzuki violin and fig you know figuring out first position all these different things you know with that then it's like you're like oh i learned that i got that and then you see a math problem and you're like i don't understand but i didn't understand how to play the the one drop either and i figured mm -hmm. that out so maybe i can figure out this math equation or something like that just throw some time at it yeah right yeah, hey numbers man yeah right <laughs> crunch the numbers the other night i was just doing some like research into analog frequencies like what a tape can handle like the shelving and the floor of it you know oh cool man. and i'm looking this up and then i click on this one link the first thing that pops up is like an einstein chalkboard level of algebra <laughs> nice and i was like i didn't need to see that and i just hit the back one. <laughs> I was like, no, no 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 killed your dream yeah i just crushed it i was like yeah. i'm looking for something that just says two things it's like yeah. 16k and 150 that's it that's all i'm looking for i am not equipped to deal with that right you now. wanted a mega software upgrade in exactly. like 10 seconds exactly i was like i don't have the brain to comprehend this right now it's two in the morning and <laughs> I've been breathing some things in. And <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I just can't. That's that's not where I thought that was gonna go. <laughs> yeah. On that tip, though, I feel like my whole life, I always like, if something came naturally to me somewhat, then I then I'd be like, oh, I'm gonna put the time here. Like I'm I'm like whatever legally blind in my left eye. I just got kind of like only use my right eye. And so like ping, me ping, too on my right eye. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. So like for me, like ping pong and like baseball and stuff like that, like there's always like a bit of like a double vision vibe happening with me. So I was just like, well, I don't play ping pong as yeah. a result. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. and then and now as I'm sort of like, you know, getting older, I'm like, you know, like French, like I've never, like I speak some Spanish and I went, I studied Japanese in school and like the, you know, with music and stuff and like learning languages, like, and has sometimes been sort of a fluent experience for me and like not too difficult, but for some reason, like French, I don't know. I'm, I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I don't, I don't hear it, you know? And like, and now I'm like, I want to like lean, I want to start like leaning into those, to those things. You know what I mean? As mm -hmm. opposed to like, as opposed to just like only doing the stuff that kind of comes natural, like seeing if I can apply that same process of like learning basically you know what i mean mm -hmm. and like but oh can i really like learn something that i really just have no passion in or you know like no whether it's passion or even just like a propensity you know yeah, just yeah. like that mm -hmm. it comes easier you know or, mm -hmm. or not and so but yeah the whole the whole like learning is just such a fascinating yeah uh, and people reality. stop doing it at a certain age mm. yes if, most people yeah do. and that's a bad thing that's a know? bad thing yeah yeah it's, <clears throat> Yeah. yeah, yeah, we always talk about that. Mm -hmm. Not just on the podcast, just in general. Just like it's good to just learn, just try different things. Even if you suck at it, move on after. Yeah, do something for a little bit. See yeah. how, see if it works out. Oh, it didn't work out. Try a little harder. It's still not working mm -hmm. out. Well, try something else. Yeah. yeah, but at least you tried. Yeah, yeah. And like it you kills me not to that. try stuff. You know, it That's eats awesome. me alive. Like I'm like, I feel like a, like a loser. <laughs> you know, if I don't give it a shot. You yeah. know. That's beautiful, man. Yeah, yeah. I guess. <laughs> Thanks, dude. That's how this started. We were like, yeah, fuck it, let's just try it. Totally. You know, like we did like ten or twelve episodes before we even aired the first one yeah. because oh, it was man. learning how to do it. Yeah. So you there know? was some Definitely. that we scrapped. You know, just kind of trying mm -hmm. to figure things out and get better at it. And Through no fault of the guests, it was just that we'd get really, <laughs> really nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure what I was walking in on. I was like, okay, let me <laughs> eat a big dinner before I get here. Well, it depends who you at, who get you talk to. Sleep. Some people might give you the wrong. Uh, this is true. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm, I'm sure st- if you had mentioned to Josh, he'd be like, hey, dude, you might want to bring some extra kidneys with you. I think Josh actually scared Raja. Yeah, I think so too. More of it because I was like, "Dude, just come on, just come through, man!" Like, every, like so many people have mentioned your name on the show. It's true. He's right? gotten mentioned. He's a few gotten times. mentions from yeah. a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Oh man, I don't know. Like, I'm on the clock. I'm here doing this Harry Belafonte show and this and that. And like, I, Harry ain't gonna mind if you come through and do the podcast. <laughs> I bring him. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're staying at his house, and he said you gotta be home by nine. Like. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna lock the door if you're not there by eight forty-five. Yeah. <laughs> He's gonna be so pissed when he is. <laughs> Good, let him. <laughs> so you're um, artistic ambassador to the Philippines. Is that? Oh wow, man! Something you are still, or you? Yeah, I mean that, that's a, a an adventure that is, that continues. And uh, Dave Agar, who I mentioned the, the cellist earlier. Um, I produced a record of his, um, we sort of created together. It's called Kingston Morning. And uh, after mm-hmm. the after the record was released, uh, the record label, Domo Records, which is a Japanese label, but also based in Los Angeles, um, kind of said, okay, well, you guys, now you need to, you know, do some touring and kind of get out there and, and start doing some live shows. And so we're like, all right, cool. And Dave had been in the Philippines working with an artist named Lucia Micarelli. Uh, who's a violinist and and a singer songwriter? She was actually on the show Treme. You might have mm-hmm. seen yeah, the yeah, show yeah. Treme. Yeah, yeah. she's the the fiddler violinist there. And um, um, so he was in the Philippines on tour with her and met some really amazing and inspiring artists out in the Philippines. And so when uh, Domo Records said you guys should you know do some touring, we we were doing some stuff domestically, and he's like. He's like, I got some great connections in the Philippines that I'm really excited about, and so we should let's let's go over there. Um, so we went there, and little did we know it was sort of uh, just this continuation, and for me, like sort of a gateway uh, into this incredible musical and artistic and like personal adventure of uh, collaborating with artists all over uh, the the Philippines. Um, so one of the main highlights for me was. Uh, we went a couple times to the Tala Andig tribe, mm-hmm. which is uh, in Bukidnon, which is uh, on the island of Mindanao, which is the southernmost island in the Philippines. And so Wawai Sawai uh, and the Tala Andig tribe uh, greeted us with with open arms, and, and we went. You know, we traveled down there and uh, spent some time there. They, and I think it, it happened somewhat randomly. There was a, a guy, Carlos Sumayao who was a sort of on the PR promotion kind of tour management side for us in the Philippines. And um, as I understand it, Dave mentioned to Carlos, like, hey, are there any like tribal musicians in, uh, you know, that we might be able to collaborate with? And, and then, you know, it was sort of happened really organically and somehow through searching tribal uh, artists in the Philippines. And I believe sort of like with a string uh, focus. So a lot of the, they make, you know, their own drums are absolutely incredible, but mm-hmm. um, they have these string instruments um, that they that they make, you know, and 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 play. So there's sort of a string culture there that I think was really exciting to Dave or that Carlos kind of like put together. And so we go down to the Talandig tribe. We spend a lot of time uh, in Manila and Zambales, and we, you know, kind of travel around and start doing these different festivals and meeting all these people and playing all these shows, making records, recording, and whatnot. 
And then um, fast forward, this is, we went in 2010 and 2012, and then in 2014, uh, we've been doing a lot of education work and education shows at Lincoln Center here in New York. That's a big part of how the Brooklyn Manila Project really is becoming more and more sort of codified, for lack of a, a better word, or just a little bit more, you know, sort of solid, because um, in uh, 2000, I believe it was in 2014, um, a dear friend and sort of champion of our creativity and artistry is a woman named Hillary McAndrew Plate, who is working at Lincoln Center, and we were doing some education shows and working in tandem with her. And when and I think it literally is like, oh, what have you guys been up to? And it's like, we just got back from the Philippines and the Talandig tribe. And she's like, whoa. And she had had a, as I understand it, a connection to the Philippine culture growing up here in America, where like I think her best friend was Filipina and. Uh, she okay. was really close with the family and like was kind of saw the culture and kind of, you know, under, understood and fell in love with and, and uh, had an experience with the culture. So I think I think as she heard that, she said, oh, my gosh, let's do a show. And so we ended up putting on the Brooklyn Manila Project uh, in America for the first time at Lincoln Center. It was either 2013 or 2014. And we brought over Nico Maka, who's a flip hop artist or like Filipina hip hop uh, okay. MCs. Absolutely incredible. Uh, Daniel Darwin. Um, from Manila is like a spoken word and like poet. Um, and we, I mean, we just have like a laundry list of collaborators and musicians like from out of Manila and the cities. But then we also mm. brought Wawai Sawai from the Tala Andig tribe over to Lincoln Center. And so that oh, was wow. really successful. It was so beautiful. It was like really incredible experience. And then uh, Hillary McAndrew Plate ended up um, – uh, for family reasons, relocating to Virginia Beach and started working at a place called the Sandler Center for the Performing Arts, which is a really incredible performing arts center in Virginia Beach. And it turns out that Virginia Beach has um, sort of like per capita one of the largest um, Filipino populations in America. Okay. And so she said, we got guys, we're doing these shows, like, let's do another Brooklyn Manila project. And so we're, of course, like, yes, anything, anything you want, Hillary, like, let's, let's do it again. And so uh, we put it together over the, you know, the past like six to nine months or so and just presented it. Uh, in January in Virginia Beach at the Sandler Center for the Performing Arts. Uh, and brought Wabai Suai and uh, a per one of his percussionists, uh, this guy Baluktu, who's a dear friend of mine now, and just an okay. absolutely incredible musician, like so, so, so good. Um, and a host of other musicians, including uh, Cynthia Alexander, um, uh, who's an incredible singer-songwriter who actually lives in Seattle, and so you know, sort of a combination of woman Elizabeth Chan, uh, who's from New York and more on the pop side. So we really like were able to kind of present like a breadth of like, um, different styles and sort of different, almost like, you know, generations or in like approaches like to the music and the culture. And then the Philippine Culture Center in Virginia Beach has all these martial arts groups and youth dance groups and choirs and like little orchestras and stuff like that that okay. they do at their culture center. So we ended up putting on this like just add everybody full to on mix, extravaganza right? <laughs> uh, Brooklyn Manila project in Virginia <clears throat> Beach awesome. a, a few months ago. And the mayor uh, uh, proclaimed uh, an official proclamation that. Um, and yeah, I guess we're artistic am ambassadors uh, for, for D Dave and myself and uh, Peter Cole from Attack Theater and, and Hillary McAndrew played and really everyone who's involved with it. But they made it, uh, I'm, I hope I'm not saying this wrong, but it's basically like, um, you know, a yearly like Virginia Beach, Filipino, Philippine uh, culture and sort of day. And oh, so, okay. yeah, That's so cool. I, I, if I'm 
not too tired right now. I believe it's January 10th, I, I believe is what is what the show date was. And so, um, nice. yeah, but we went up on stage before the show and he sort of um, presented us the, this proclamation oh, you know, wow. from the mayor. And it was okay. just so heavy. You know, we got the yeah. artist from Mindanao there and we're, you know, accepting these things. And like then we you know did the show and uh, and it was incredible. And hopefully we'll do more, whether it's there or back here or we're definitely going back to the Philippines again um, ASAP and to kind of continue it. And so it's not like a planned thing. It's not like, Oh, we're doing this and these are the rules and stuff like that. It's very much like, uh, Dave and I do work together a lot. We have a lot of different, you mentioned Holler Jake, which is another project of ours mm -hmm. down, uh, in Apple, in the Appalachian region down in, uh, Southwestern Virginia and yeah. Tennessee. And, um, and, and it's, it's really, it starts out, most of the things start out like Dave and I, and you know he plays cello and I play drums, but in a way it's it's like a bass and drums kind of a vibe though too. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. has that vibe, and you know we just started out just we do duo shows together, cello and like cajon or like cello and percussion and stuff like that. But then we play shows and we just have this real open nature and a real community and sharing and like inviting people in and stuff. And so it, it's just sort of like one of those hungry marching band kind of like experiences <laughs> where it's like, Oh, you're, you know, we got to get Andrew Nemer who's like this incredible tap dancer. Like he's gotta be in the band. Right. And so we got just fiddlers, we got <laughs> cellos, we got tappers, we got uh, our basses is Ariel de la Portilla from Cuba. So we got a, you know, a Cuban bass player, this ripping cellist, you know, going, we got uh, Jake Bain who's from uh, Norton, Virginia down in South Southwest Virginia, who's just like full on, uh, you know, mountain v vocalist, he mountain digs music. Pretty deep when he sings. Oh man, that guy is just gold. Uh, Evie Andrus from the Andrus clan uh, on fiddle. I mean, the, the, the list goes on and on, but then we'll bring Sasha Lazar down, like an opera singer down. And so we're doing like, it's like a tap dancer playing, you know, with, with fiddle intro and then Cuban bass solo drum groove thing and like into like an opera track ending with like Carmen or what, you know, on cello. Like we just like, it's total like kitchen sink vibe of just like different, anything goes styles, whatever we're down there. We meet someone. We're like, you're cool. You, why don't you play a song with us tonight? Come on up. You know what I mean? And it's just like, we just like really have a really fun, like almost like little scene and like little community. Yeah. yeah. Um, Kind of, kind of, we just almost like wherever we go, it's sort of like just in our, in our nature, it's like a very open and like welcoming and just like fun and collaborative, like spirited yeah, kind of yeah, project. Yeah. Going back to the shows that Josh and Raja were doing yeah, with you guys. Like, totally. There was uh, somebody doing like katas. Uh -huh. Yeah, James. Oh, Luke, really? Like katas, and then yeah. like somebody was cooking or something. Yeah, too? cool. And like, yeah, that was a different show, but yeah, totally. That was a, that was another Hillary yeah, McAndrew play Lincoln Center. Like, yeah. Um, so it's like Live super cooking, like yeah. multicultural type of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's really anything goes and and just super super collaborative vibe. So yeah. it's nice. it's been a real adventure. Yeah, <laughs> uh, knowing Dave and working with Dave has really been uh, and continues to be an incredible. Yeah, I can believe that uh, journey. As you said, you know, you <laughs> yeah, I, I hang out with him and it's like that every day. And it's actually really fun for me to see people the first time. It's like you know the first time you hear you know, Shostakovich's fifth symphony or something. I, I had a, I had a teacher one day play, play that piece for the, for the class. Uh, I was in uh, music school and he's like, who, who here has heard, you know, Shostakovich's fifth symphony. And, you know, maybe like three or four people's hands went up or whatever. And he just said, his name's Nicholas Perini. And he said, 
He said, I am so envious of the rest of you in this moment that you're, you're about to have this experience, you know, to hear this piece of music. And he's like, turned off the lights and like, you know, played the thing. It just hits you. And so it's like when you, you know, come in the studio and like people who haven't like worked with Dave yet and they're kind of like, yeah, okay, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know? And then by the end of the session, they're just like jaws on the ground. You know what I mean? Like they've been changed. You know what I mean? I was, I was just, when he was like, I was setting up the mic, I could just tell by the way he said it, he was like, yeah, I usually like to put it right here and then, you know, like this, like this. And then, so I'm like, okay, obviously he's, you know, he's been doing this for a long time. He's made a lot of records or he's made a lot of recordings. If he says he likes it like this, yeah. makes my job easier. Just, okay, does that sound right to you? Cool. And then he was like, yeah, it sounds good. And then it just kept going. And I just kept being like, what the fuck is going? I've never <laughs> experienced anything like this in my but life. But dude, but that's like, so beautiful. You you have that same collaborative spirit. Like, I know you're kind of saying like, oh, this guy has the, you know, the pedigree and the experience. And so what he's going to say is real, but... I mean, you know, we're all musicians here and it's like, how many times are you in the studio and the engineer is sort of like, this is the, Dictated. this is the way, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's like, it's, you know, cause I've done it. This is my house. This is the way I do it. And I do the thing. And so even just the fact that you're like, <coughs> you know, creative enough or like open enough that way, I think is really, mm-hmm. is really a beautiful thing, man. And like kind of similar thing. It's just yeah. sort of like being open yeah. and like on a production level as a music producer like that to me it's like the more open you are the more that lightning in the bottle that thing you can't control you get and that performance you get and that's like more valuable than the than the like let's get it like micromanage yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. nothing good comes out of that (laughs) but people also forget like what we do right like whether Mm -hmm. it's as a musician or you know producing Mm -hmm. we're supposed to be listening to each other Yes. And in the studio, when you find, when you really pay attention to what's going on in the studio, you're like, nobody's fucking listening to each other. Well, <laughs> well Handel not Tucker. All the time. Not that's all the, the time. difference for but me, when though. You find somebody like that, dude, you're like, I want sessions to be like this. Well, you can play. All the time. That's yeah. what I learned yeah. is I played so much better. Even if people don't say anything, if there's people in the room, in the building, like in the control room, like nearby, who are like, not not listening it changes the it's like quantum physics quantum mechanics exactly. it changes the molecular structure of the air and, yes. and of the room and the spirits can come in and stuff like mm-hmm. that and if you got people in there that are you know bad vibes or even just not listening or you know like if if someone's in the room that is hearing like has a has an acuity of rhythm and an understanding of like groove mm-hmm. and stuff like that they can just be sitting in the room and my playing is elevated Right. And I, and I yeah. know that I learned, I kind of learned that. And then if someone's vibing me out or the engineer's like, no, it's got to be this way. Or like, who are you? I've never heard of you. If there's any kind of weird vibes going on, all of a sudden I'm like, ah, yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not getting it. I, I can't get it right it, now. Come yeah, back. Yeah. You can't be around. Nothing like, good's going to happen. But on that spiritual yeah. thing, even if you don't say anything, it's just like, just like the vibe of like, like the spirits in the room kind of thing or whatever. Yeah. It's like having that kind of support yeah. and just that, that listening. Like you said, Billy, you're like, if people are listening, if you're in a studio and people aren't listening, you're in the wrong place. Yeah, where, where are you? You <laughs> know you what I mean? Like, it's no longer a studio, maybe, you know? <laughs> right, like, right. wait a minute. And it's one of those things that it's just so simple. It's music. So what do you do to music? You listen to it. Yes. I like how you mentioned the spirits of a few times in mm-hmm. that conversation. I, I, I'm all about that, too. Yeah. Everything, mm-hmm. not just music, everything with me is that, you know? Yeah. So hearing someone else, I'm like, yeah, man, he knows what's up. <laughs> oh, thanks, yeah, He's it's down. The, he knows. It's the truth. Yep. It's, it's the truth, Full man. Truth, yeah. But some people look at you crazy if you say that. But yeah, mm-hmm. and sometimes those people are walking with the wrong spirits. That's why they're blocking right. you. Mm. You know, wow. They just clash. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
as well as other people you play with, the yeah. RJD2. Oh, yeah. I just was in uh, Pittsburgh this past weekend with RJ. We did Atlanta the week before. We're heading out to Austin. And, uh, yeah, man, he's one of my best friends. And uh, I've known him. He and I, uh, I'm so proud. He and I were in a duo project back in high school. So I knew him in high school. We 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 were both in, in different bands in the same uh, rock scene in Columbus. Okay. And so our bands would, like, open for each other, basically, and sort of, like, sometimes share... Uh, you know, maybe uh, compilation records and stuff like that or whatever. But we were like fully in, in the same scene um, and and really good friends. And so we had a duo project, him and I, drums and guitar. It was called Antenna Fig. And I, we played one show. We So Antenna Fig <laughs> opened up for our two bands, like at one show, okay. you know. Nice. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, when I, I left Columbus in 2000, which was... Um, and he and I were cool for sure, but not not connected uh, much after high school. And then, of course, you know his, his career really kind of started to take off. I think around 2000, uh, when his mm-hmm. first major release, Dead Ringer, dropped, and was like an instant classic kind of a vibe. Um, and so, of course, I've always, I was always like, "That's my boy," you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, and then um, l- later. Uh, he was doing a live band thing and I knew everyone in his live band. They were all like some of my favorite musicians from Columbus, like Sam Brown on drums and Derek Desenzo and all these like super, super sick heavyweights. Um, and so I went and saw one of their live shows and then kind of re was just like, this is so sick and like kind of reconnected and then did some recording with him for his side project called the insane warrior with RJ. And then he was like, dude, you want to start, do- you want to do some shows and we would just do duo shows. So just, you know, he does like four turntables okay. and, MPC and a thing, you know, he's samplers and, and, and then he also brings live instruments into it on, on his side, guitar, keyboards, vocals and stuff like that. But for a while there, it was just the two of us. And then it just sort of developed. Now we added a bass player and now we're doing, we've been doing this one live band sound for a while, uh, drums, bass, RJ on his plethora of instruments <laughs> and, and holding it all down. And then we have Jordan Brown, uh, who's a vocalist out of Philly, Okay. It's super sick. We got STS Sugar Tongue Slim, who's an incredible uh, rapper. M- originally, I believe you'd say out of Atlanta, but you know the world is his home. He's he's okay. he's, he's everywhere. And another incredible artist, Kari Mateen, um, who's been with us, um, and he sometimes plays bass as well. And uh, Stephen Green Jeans playing bass. And so we've we're really doing enough shows where it's kind of got this this uh, fun like live band sound. Um, but RJ really is, you know, that mad scientist where he, you know, puts together the stuff and 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 really is the mission control and kind of mastermind of that sound. And so okay. for me on drums with RJ, it's very much, I mean, we're like brothers from another mother anyway. Yeah, I mean, just mm-hmm. from coming up together and we're just, he's like, I just love him so much. We're like really, really, really tight friends as well. But, you know, it's, it's you know, it's sort of like that, you know, supportive kind of a thing of like really as a drummer, you know, there's always different types of gigs, you know, that, that you do. And sometimes it's more of like, let me play this sound and get inside the sound and like replicate the sound versus let mm-hmm. me see if what I can put of my own, let me, what I can interject of my own sound into it, you know, kind of a thing. And so I was, was going to say, uh, one of the things I like about your playing at his live shows is because you're like just hitting the groove your groove is so clean on that shit. Thanks, man. Like, it's just clean and it just sits just right. Thanks, You know, man. because you're in that situation where you have, you know, he's going to be adding, doing the samples yeah. and stuff. So you're like, if I, now ain't the time to be Mr. These are my chops. You yeah. know, like, 
Yep. But as a drummer, recognizing that, like a lot of drummers don't recognize that. It sounds like the record that people are used to listening to. Yeah, that's you know, my when goal you can with present that. It yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's some tracks where it's like I will, like there's one track called Exotic Talk that, I mean, if there's if there's any music nerds listening, it's like the playing drums with RJ is so exciting because you, as as the drummer and in the band really. I sort of break it down into like three ways that things happen. And one thing is it's sort of like the the track is there and the bed is sort of there and the rhythm track is there and you're like matching with it and like sort of accentuating it and trying to sort of enliven it, like double it almost like as perfectly as I can, but like, you know, give it that human thing and kind of like lift it up and mm -hmm. enliven it. And then there's another aspect where he's like, you know, he'll be like, for example, like playing on an MPC live and he's banging out these samples. And some of them are like longer than others. You know, some of them are like one shot quick samples, but some of them are like, you know, like a little musical phrase. And so every time he hits that pad, that's the tempo. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. can't, that ain't never gonna change. So if you start speeding up and he hits that pad and it's slower, it's it's off. So 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 it's a real fun kind of dance where you're like playing and it's like if it does get human and things do start to shift, once that trigger comes back in, the the yeah. the perfection of the tempo mm. kind of grabs you back again or whatever. And so it's kind of a fun thing. So and that, that's number two. And then number three is just like a straight live band. RJ on guitar, bass, drums, vocalists or keys, you know what I mean? And we're just like laying it down like a jazz band or whatever. Like there's no, nothing right, to follow, right. no samples, no nothing. And so it's such a, and we always do the shows and I never have a set list I'm, where it's just like, we're just flying. And it's like, and, and it's such a fun, it's such a challenge and such a fun thing. Like as a drummer, like to, cause sometimes you're just driving the bus and then sometimes you're driving the bus, but also following the sample. And then sometimes you're on a, on a track, inside a track, and just, like, laying it down, you know? Yeah, so, like, on a serious, like, drum nerd kind of a thing, it's, like, a fascinating kind of a gig yeah, because yeah. every song is a different brain yeah, yeah. of us, you know what I mean? Sorry. Yeah, as a, as a drummer, you never get the chance to really be a passenger. Like, okay, I'm just, I can just yeah, sit here just and just... Yeah. Something you don't get to do as a drummer. Right, exactly. It's, like, always, like, on you. But just to be like, man... Yeah, yeah you man. fuck up. Everybody fucks up. Yeah. I've uh, driven a few shows into the ground. <laughs> I, would, I, I will totally admit that. That's Not awesome. to the ground. Open bar, baby. I would say, I would say to the ground. <laughs> Taking detours, <laughs> yes. Yeah, they, call, they would call my drumming. They were like, okay, it's the Billy's Magic Carpet Double Ride. <laughs> Dude, every time I've heard you play drums, it is on point, man. I'm a huge fan of your drums, man. So It is I, the Magic Carpet I've never, Ride. I've never seen right. this side of you before. Yeah. Oh, no, this is like, uh, yeah, this would be like the way that the Cool and Deadly, when we play a live show, everybody has the understanding of dub, but the dub gets thrown around like a hot potato. Nice. We didn't know what anybody else is going to do. We could be in the middle of the song, he'd be singing, and, you know, a uh, bass player would start doing something, and you're like, okay, we're going to lead with that. Yeah. yeah. We're going to follow with that. Wow. You know, it would just get thrown it's so around jazz. all night. I mean, it's so jazz-oriented, like when I you know, really got to feel that pulse, you know, and yeah. the, on the roots, roots reggae stuff, yeah. you know, it, it really started to come into sort of fruition or like focus for me, you know, when I realized how, like something you were saying earlier about um, the, you know, the listening vibe and just that everyone's kind of talking to each other and going mm -hmm. off of each other. It's very much like in the moment, there's no autopilot. No. Like, and you're playing, you might be playing the same pattern, the skank or the same bubble or whatever, the baseline, even the same time, but it's every time it's played 
is a new moment and mm-hmm. it's a present moment and mm-hmm. it's sort of you know along those lines with the anonymous elder stuff too of just like being present listening yeah. and just that importance of that of that and it's like in jazz it's like pretty extreme like improv and free jazz and you know mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know the improv side of things like that but it was just sort of like oh this is like this is jazz you know yeah, and, yeah it's and, improv but in a different way right it's like a we, essentially what we're improv, doing is we're dub, taking that yeah. like we always took that philosophy and mm-hmm. then that like mm-hmm. Jazz, it would be like, okay, you're starting to run with that line, and you're going to yeah. turn that into something, and then yeah. everybody's going to, you know, take the yeah. improv into that direction. Yeah. I kind of love that. And then deconstruct the, is like, deconstruct is like, the music. I'm going to start playing less. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then we're going right. to really break this down oh, to the yeah. atomic nucleus level of yeah. things. You yeah. know, deconstruct like, yeah. it. Yeah, man. You know, before we forget, can we hear some about uh, something about the foreigner stuff? Uh. Uh, yeah, so Dave Agar, the cellist, and I have been working together on many, many projects. And something that I hadn't really mentioned is that we do like the string st- string arranging for a ton of like major artists, like sort of pop artists and and you know popular artists. We did uh, Frank Ocean's Channel Orange strings awesome. on that record. We've worked with like Nora Jones, cool. um, OAR, Philip Phillips, uh, Five for Fighting. Um, the list kind of goes goes on and on and on in a way, and certainly Dave, even without me, just it's just played with like so many people, and so they got a hold of Dave, and Dave Dave called me one night, and he, he's like, "Hey man, kind of like, are you sitting down?" kind of thing, you know, and he's like, he's like, do, he's like, "Do you want to do the orchestral arrangement, full orchestra arrangements for Foreigner, for Foreigner?" You know, and yeah, I yeah. grew up in the '80s, man. Yeah, you know? yeah. So I was like, "Whoa!" And so I was so scared, you know, I was just like. You know, no, no, I don't want to, <laughs> but, but yeah, you know what I mean? Like, of course, like we, we, you know, this is cause we'd never done full. My or- mind's telling me no. <laughs> yeah. Oh dude. I mean, it was just sort of like, uh, yeah, we like, we have to do like, of course, like we have to do this, you know? And he's like, yeah, man, let's do it. And so a week later or so we went and got to meet Mick Jones. Who's like the main you know songwriter, mm, yeah. founder and creator of the band. And it just sort of rolled from there. Started out kind of like small and then we just kept working and and we really uh i mean mick jones is absolutely incredible and it's so incredible every moment that i've gotten to to spend with him and i think you know the three of us just just kind of created this nice little vibe and this nice little team and so we just it just kind of kept going and so uh dave and i ended up doing like 90 percent of the it's like one song that was arranged by another team um for their 40th anniversary live CD DVD recorded in Lucerne, Switzerland. And so, yeah, so we did that record. And so and is we, it all their like their classic hits? Oh, yeah. Every, just done in an, or- ev- uh, with an orchestra? No, it's full band, it's the full, band oh, oh. full band crushing it live. Okay. And it's like with the choir, it was like 120, or I think it was 150 in the first one and 120 oh, that's in the amazing. second. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. It's absolutely incredible. I got to play percussion, orchestral percussion for the DVD and uh, and whenever we do it with the major orchestra, um, I usually play percussion. And we have this incredible conductor, Ernst von Thiel, from uh, Amsterdam, who, uh, who is doing the shows. And then we started doing some more smaller, like, chamber versions of it. And we toured in the U.S., did a couple small tours. And because of the, the nature of the orchestra was, was a bit smaller... It would and Dave, I love Dave so much, man. He's just half the stuff I do is because Dave's like, well, Chuck will Chuck will do that. Like Chuck, Chuck you know, Chuck's, a, Chuck's a great conductor, you know. And I'm like in the studio with, you know, I conducted some small group stuff, and you know, being a drummer, it's like we said at the very beginning, being a rhythm, being a rhythm guy, you know, it's like or, or gal, it's like. 
you know, that's the foundation. And so for conducting, what makes a good, good conductor? Having, you know, really good tempo and being yes, able to keep yeah. that tempo with your body and express that to people, like mm-hmm. playing the drums or skateboarding mm-hmm. or whatever that. And then the other thing that I realize is like, as being a drummer, the reason it's good for conducting is because drummers have to play the fills that sort of signal or even just arrangement wise yeah, lead yeah. the energy into the next section. The mm-hmm. chorus comes and there's a nice drum fill that leads us into the chorus. So when you're a conductor, if you're a drummer, you're like, oh, here comes the chorus. Let me tell everybody that yeah. the chorus is yeah, coming. Yeah, if yeah. I'm using my hands to do it, I'm not yeah. hitting drums. But you know, doing that and so I can see you totally getting into yeah. that, man. Yeah, and, and you know me, man, I'm a punk I'm a punk rock skateboarder vibe, like on the first thing. And so I'm not, you know, I'm a conductor, but all the orchestra people are looking at me like, what, what this guy do? earth is Wait. he doing up there? You know? And, but then some of them, they do like it because I think I'm, you know. How do you feel that it was different, how you would do it, your approach? Well, I mean, I kind of like, I went out there specifically, I'm thinking like, I'm trying to be like the mad scientist okay, vibe, yeah. you know, like. It was like wild style. Stick the yeah. hair up. Yeah. It already is, you know what I mean? And just like, sort of like rock out a little bit, yeah. like. Like Dave and I with Foreigner, it's like we really function as like the the middlemen, for lack of a better word, or sort of like the lubrication between the orchestra, the which is band. which is such a institution in itself, obviously, and Foreigner, which is such an institution mm-hmm. unto itself, obviously. Yeah. And it's sort of like how do these two sort of camps like talk to each other effectively? And so we sort of have that ability and that gift to kind of kind of go between the two and like kind of make the thing happen. And so recently. It was really just days after the Brooklyn Manila project um, because of some some issues, some travel issues and some visa issues. Uh, we were doing our first show in America with a full-size orchestra and first full-size choir, and I was slated as per usual on these gigs to play orchestral percussion. Uh, Dave and I are the arrangers. He plays cello. I play percussion. They kind of, you know, we get introduced during the show, and we kind of still act as that lubricant you know, between Mick and between the band and the orchestra and the conductor Mm. and stuff like that. And then when there was an issue with the travel kind of, you know, there was a little word around the campfire, but you know, a few weeks ahead of time, it was like, all right, Chuck, uh, Hey Chuck, Dave said you're a good conductor. (laughs) And so I'd been doing the small group stuff with foreigner and I know the arrangements and this music, like the back of my hand and I love it so much and everything like that. But it was sort of like, all right, now you got to do like the real thing, you know? And so I literally had a two hour rehearsal with the Nashville symphony and, and Nashville choir. And we had, and the show's like two and a half hours or three hours long. You know what I mean? And so we, you know, went up there, did, did my best, you know what I mean? Got it together, baptism by fire and, uh, three shows in a row. And they, and we were incredibly successful and came off without a hitch. And so, um, I can't explain I have yet to be able to process what this experience and these experiences, especially conducting, like you're asking about Billy, about uh, what that is has done and will do for my drumming in in that level. Whether you're talking about Bernstein and King Tubby or something, you know I mean, like just that vibe of like sitting on the hot seats and being the drummer and that whole macro view that you sort of need to drive the bus you're mm-hmm. you know that whole time have that perspective and as a conductor on that stage with those level of musicians and that sold out house and that whole experience um it completely changed my life musically in such a profound way it's only been like I a month and i don't even i can't even articulate i don't even know how it is but now i'm like oh wait a minute everything i was thinking was wrong <laughs> like as a drummer you know what i mean i'm kind of like wait 
okay, I got to completely rethink what I'm doing now on the drums. I, I Like I said, I, I don't know what it is, but I'm like something f a switch flipped, you know, in, do in doing that. I it can was, believe that. It was in intense, man. Like, like you said, like driving the bus, like I thought drums was a hot seat. You know, it is, you know, you're on the drum set, you slow down. It's your, if anything slows down, it's your fault. Anything speeds up, it's your fault. Yeah. It, mm -hmm. it's, you got, you know, it's, you know, you, you know, it's that responsibility, man, the conductor, man, I, bro, walking up there, tick, 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 you know, and doing, raising your arms up. And it's like, your what is go. about to happen? Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, and it's like, it is a whole other vibe. And then on the drum tip too, man, when I really was conducting, and this was before this experience, when I was doing the more chamber, like small stuff, I came off the first set with Foreigner, um, it was a couple years ago down in St. Augustine, Florida. And uh, the guitar player, Bruce Watson was sort of like, he's like, yeah, man, he's like that was sick or whatever and he, he was like you must this must this is like your thing right like you must this must be so fun like you must love this and and i was like yeah but it's so weird to not make any sound because like when you're a drummer oh, you're like right. the loudest yeah, yeah, mf -er yeah. mm -hmm. in the room you know what i mean people are like shut up drummer right. you know what i mean and you're a conductor you're like you're like not making any sound in the, you know what I mean? You come At off stage. At all. Like you can't you know make I mean? any. You're not making any sound. You know what I mean? Like the thing in, in the air. You gotta start snapping your you, fingers yeah, like you're on the ball field. running around snapping my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck everybody up. <laughs> They'll be like, what does that mean? That I don't know. Polyrhythm. You're like, yeah. <laughs> right. You're like, here's the one, two, three, four, but then you're like, there's a five against seven over here. This guy's going crazy. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's it'll goose you. You'll be up there like kind of thing, and then I'll get excited and you know get really into it, and all of a sudden that energy will come back at me, and I'm kind of like, oh wait, uh, I didn't mean to do that. You know what I mean? Like it's like you gotta like kind of keep a handle on it and mix with you know. I just go up there and kind of like for the fans too of like like bridging that gap, you know. So as a conductor and like and as a part of the foreigner team, you know, in a way, and kinda, I'm kind of like, well, I'm gonna kind of like bring some rock because i'm you know that's kind of where i come from too you know what i mean and so i'm not sure where that's landed yet or what you know or how right. how effective that is or how positive that is or whatever but you know it's like trying to be an artist and trying to do something creative and do something new and bring your bring your voice to it and get the job done and mm -hmm. like i said you know we had three great shows and you know, so i got the job done and then i also kind of you know kicked it a little bit as i could you know so <laughs> Every, everybody thinks you're doing a great job. You're like, okay, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, and, you know, it's the other thing about being open and, like, and that's been the real beauty, you know, for me is it's sort of, like, going back from just, like, I'm a drummer and, like, no drum machines and no click, you know what I mean, to, like, working with the RJD2 and, you know, the electronic side and, like, mm -hmm. you know, just, you know, not saying no to anything. It's like, you know, this cellist Dave Egger, he's like, hey, man, you want to, like, make some records? And it's like classical crossover, classical music or whatever. Like, what can we do here, you know? And if I was like, no, you know, I'm a rock drummer. Like, I don't do that or whatever. I, I just somehow, for some reason, I just sort of got in the habit to just kind of like, like we were talking about, like, learning, you know? It's yeah. like... How easy would it have been for me to be like, no, 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 yep. guys, I'm not a conductor because yeah. I'm not in a way. I mean, <laughs> but, but I'm a musician, I'm a producer, I'm a drummer, and I, you know, I, I know, can I understand them? You know, I'm like, you know what? Let me try. Yeah, you know you're what I mean? Brave enough like, to take a next just, step, yeah. and you've got this new experience in your life that yeah. is amazing. It truly life changing. Stepped it up, man. Yeah. You leveled up. Yeah, See, that's yeah. what it's all about. That's what it's all about. <laughs> Yeah. I gotta level up, man. Gotta yeah, level yeah. up, dude. You, yeah. You're conducting orchestras. You've definitely leveled up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd say. I'd say that's a, that's a level up. Um, why don't you tell everybody where they can find your stuff? Yeah, man. I, I'm uh, out there in a. 
plethora of different ways. I, I have a project right now called Cellogram. We put out an EP summer before last and went on tour opening for Evanescence and Lindsey Sterling. It's like a duo. I sort of look at it as like a, a production team, like Dave Agar and myself as sort of like the musicians and, and as the duo that then kind of spawns off all these different productions and stuff. But um, yeah, we were on that tour and have some other live shows coming up. And so like on Spotify and Amazon and iTunes and all, and all those spots, it's just called Cellogram. And so there's a lot of stuff I'm really proud of there. My solo record's called Waiting on the Rain, which has a little avatar of me skateboarding on it. Uh, not to be confused with a... a record by another Chuck Palmer, which I'm in the process of, of delineating that, like in the, uh, in the socials, but, uh, but yeah, waiting on the rain there. And, um, yeah, uh, you know, we just did a, uh, record, uh, Dave and I just did the orchestral arrangements for a new record by Breaking Benjamin called Aurora. It was a, a pretty big record, uh, from a, you know, an amazing uh, artist and, and band there. Um, did a couple tracks recently with Nora Jones again, who we absolutely love working with. Um, being in the room with, with these, with these artists too, is just, yeah, is else, just right? an absolutely incredible experience. And, and so I also have a record called Liminal Currents by Anonymous Elder, and I'm currently putting together a couple, um, records I'll be putting out under Anonymous Elder, uh, and probably Chuck Palmer, although I'm kind of like thinking like, oh, maybe I should put it as since the Chuck Palmer thing is a little convoluted with that. I'm like, you know, potentially going to do a different artist name and kind of continue that waiting on the rain sound like with another thing, but I got a record, you know, kind of in the bullpen, but I'm kind of pushing the anonymous elder stuff at the moment and doing live shows with that. Uh, still touring with RJD two and foreigner, um, a band called holler Jake, something we just, I don't know, man, I'm kind of all over the place, but my, my thing that I'm most locked into for people is Instagram. Actually, I kind of just put mm -hmm. stuff up on Instagram and it goes to, I'm not really into Facebook. I don't do the Twitter thing too much, but, um, yeah, my, uh, my friend Maria nine Oh nine is here with me and, and she's all, she's, she's helping me kind of get the YouTube channel happening and get the organization thing, get a wiki page up and stuff. And that's the thing, man, like with all the beauty of, of what I do and how much I love it. It's like, I'm, I'm just so focused on the music that it's, it's been mm -hmm. a, a bit of an Achilles heel for me in terms of the photo shoots yeah, and yeah. getting the thing up on YouTube and doing the video editing and like just, kind of pushing myself in that way. It's like, I just kind of, I feel very humbled and incredibly, you know, blessed and, you know, grateful and, you know, all that. But, but truly, you know, it's like to be a musician and to, to get to work with the people that, that, yeah. that I have worked with in the past and continue to work with and hope to work with in the future. You know, that's for me, it's all about the people. Music, has saved my life, continues to save my life every day. I feel it's cool, man. You seem like a, yeah, man. you seem like a super humble and kind dude, man. Oh, thanks, man. And it seems like the spirits are on your side. Oh, thanks, man. So I think you're doing it right, man. Appreciate um, that. It was a pleasure having you on the Tiger Fit. Yeah, man. I'm so thrilled to be Thank here, man. It's an honor. <laughs> I'm such an enormous fan of yours, and no, nah, man, it's so nice to meet you. Likewise, you know, my friend. Likewise. Thanks for the good vibes. Thanks oh, yeah. for having me. Really awesome. appreciate it. No problem. Man. I want to say thanks again to our guest Chuck Palmer for coming through and joining us on the show. Don't forget to check us out at the Tiger Pit Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, as well as our brand new YouTube channel where we started posting previous episodes. Everybody stay safe out there. Take it easy.